Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Let's start out with something just fun and easy and entirely uncomplicated. You guys like vaccines? Fun stuff. Really an undivisive topic. <laughs> yeah. People just love talking about it at dinner. <laughs> they do, they do. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say, without putting all of us on the spot, that we are uh, we are in general fans of vaccination. It saved us as a group from a lot of nasty, nasty things, right? Like, you guys got COVID vaccines. I got a COVID vaccine. You know what I mean? I even got the little boosties. Because I am a completionist. Mad boosties. Um, I got the one. I think I'm due for another. Um, I, I I need to to look it up, but uh, definitely got at least one boost. No comment. Okay. <laughs> See? See? Case in point. Again, very uncomplicated dinner table conversation. Uh, but in the wake of COVID-19, vaccines yet again became uh, the subject of massive conspiracy theories, right? And the pandemic itself has 
all sorts of conspiratorial things associated with it. Some of those are provably true, like the PPP loan conspiracies. That actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Pokemon card. Isn't that what the P stands for in PPP? <laughs> Remember that yeah. one guy? He was from Georgia. He, uh, <laughs> he used his uh, money to fraudulently purchase a very, very expensive Pokemon card. Well, there there we go, man. Uh, we, what we see here is in tonight's show, we're exploring another story of conspiracy and vaccination, but it's not necessarily a story the Jedi will tell you. For most Americans today, the, f- mo- the most famous case of polio is that of former U.S. president and almost dictator Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, but the story of polio starts way earlier than FDR's infection in 1921. He was 39 at the time. Here are the facts. Polio is terrifying. It doesn't matter like how cool you are. It doesn't matter if you can fight a kangaroo one-on-one polio is scarier. Well, and especially with the historical association with children, you know, and the idea of polio wards and burning piles of clothes and just the virulent contagiousness of it all, you know, it really had the world standing still uh, when it was at its peak. Well, I I think it's terrifying because it's, it's one of those things if you could be afraid of something big that could like cut you right or burn you or something that is that you could see coming like there's mm-hmm. that's that's one type of fear the type of fear with polio and i think a lot of other most other infectious diseases is that it somehow gets into your system and you didn't know it got into your system and then it takes a while like with polio it takes a while and the end result after it's done with your body could be what paralysis or sure. worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything from difficulty breathing to lifelong paralysis. We're talking withered limbs type stuff. Uh, or even death, right? You will possibly die from polio. And polio is the street name for a disease called poliomyelitis. Very nasty thing caused by uh, variations of the polio virus. Like you said, Matt, it's easy to miss some kind of transference of this thing because it it transfers through ingestion and polio has a favorite part of the human body nerves in the spinal cord and the brainstem do you speaking of terrifying things associated with and already terrifying things do you guys remember the device known as the iron lung yes Mm -hmm. It was like, I guess like a hyperbaric chamber, but it essentially was a huge uh, saver of lives, you know, for folks that contracted polio. Um, But I believe you had to, you know, use it for the rest of your life. Like it was literally like being on light, like this very kind of steampunk form of life support. Yeah. uh, And it was used for a lot of different things. And unless you could cure whatever the infection was, right, then you're stuck. Um, Yeah. It's like somebody being on life support now, right? I mean, that's still a thing. Um, The choice to continue someone's life on life support, knowing it would be limited to that situation is one of the tough. Yeah, yeah, that's making me emotional. It's one of the toughest things you can, uh, toughest choices you can be forced to make. Well, again, not to mention if you're considering it when it comes to a child. Yeah, and then there's also the quality of life argument at that point it's uh the iron lung may sound like a barbaric 
solution to a problem. But as we'll see soon, uh, polio was much more horrific. The iron lung, as terrible as it was, uh, it was better than the alternative for many people. And so, okay, today, the wild, naturally occurring polio virus group, uh, it's been, the good news is, it's been virtually eradicated on every continent except Asia. As of 2020, Pakistan and Afghanistan are the only two countries where polio is still considered endemic, like very common, very prevalent, easily spread. Uh, Nigeria was on that list for a while, but uh, thankfully uh, it is uh, it has moved off that list. We still don't know, by the way, the origin story of polio. All we know is it's been a sort of dark passenger of humanity for thousands and thousands of years. That's right. In fact, uh, it can be seen, or the very least depictions of it can be seen in ancient Egyptian artwork dating uh, back circa 1580 to 1350 BCE, showing a priest um, with a withered leg uh, and using a crutch to help uh, them walk. Uh, And experts believe that this official likely uh, contracted the disease uh, and for a time survived. Um, It was then first officially described in the West in 1789 when British physician Dr. Michael Underwood addressed it as a, quote, debility of the lower extremities. Um, But by 1789, this disease was absolutely everywhere. Mm -hmm. He was he was describing something that everyone knew about. And you were it was kind of like dysentery. Like you may not have personally encountered it, but you knew someone at the very least who knew someone who died because of polio. And it's still an ongoing struggle to eradicate this virus, but it's a massive success story for humanity. I mean, like when we talk about polio in the United States, it feels like we're talking about smallpox. You know what I mean? Like it feels very much as though it is a disease of yesteryear. So it's it's tough to remember that during the early 1900s and, and well before, polio was one of the most feared diseases in all of the industrialized countries. Like you would have a lot of kids because there was a non-zero chance that one of them would die due to polio. You were helpless. People didn't know how it transmitted. They knew that thousands of children in every country would get paralyzed every single year. And the doctors couldn't help you. Well, yeah. And and again, not just polio, right? Like you said, it's smallpox, too. Your children could die from any number of these diseases until effective vaccinations were like became a thing that really did change how human beings live and choose to have children. That's nuts to think about that a technological medical invention could have that great an effect on all of humanity. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we'll get to it, but there were uh, vaccines that were introduced or discovered or created in the 1950s and 1960s. And so for those developed industrial countries, this made polio a containable disease. As we record this evening, polio is incurable. There is not a cure for polio, even now in 2024. This means the condition or the disease can only be prevented or treated 
after you contract it. We know the first polio vaccine was developed by Dr. Hillary Kaprowski. Uh, and weird fact, it was administered almost exactly 74 years ago tonight. Uh, it was first administered on February 27th, 1950. And the second, uh, even more well-known vaccine was created by Jonas Salk uh, in 1952, and it was officially announced to the world on uh, April 12th, 1955. Big deal for Go the humans. human race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but there's a little wrinkle in all of this um, clutch medical innovation, isn't there, Ben? There is no a series of missteps and possibly sinister events made the treatment arguably worse than the disease. And as a result, uh, polio vaccination has led to thousands of conspiracy theories, some more plausible than others. It's also led to a continual distrust, paranoia, and fear of vaccination that continues in the modern day. It has real-world consequences for everybody listening tonight. What do you say, guys? You want to take a break for a word from our sponsors, or should we dive right in? Oh, let's take a little break. Give us some breathing room here before we get into the weeds with this uh, pretty gnarly misstep, series of missteps. Or our iron lungs. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Here's where it gets crazy. Let's talk about it. The Cutter Incident. Yeah, I, I think we just we have to say at 
the top here before we get into all of this. The Ben, what would you say? The treatment was arguably worse than the disease itself. For we just have to say with a little caveat there, for some people that took the treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Not for everybody. And mm-hmm. I think that's why this story is so sinister. Because for most people who were going through the process, everything's fine. But just like with with the chance that you have to contract polio in the wild, it, when you take the treatment to, to uh, take care of polio, you had this same like um, small but significant percentage that something really bad is going to happen. Well, it didn't happen, thankfully, in the case of the uh, rapid, uh, I guess, approval process for COVID vaccine. But it's a similar kind of mad dash, you know, a scramble to get something out as quickly as possible. And as we know, when that is the case, sometimes things slip through the cracks or possibly even worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with those necessary caveats and conditions here, uh, Let's get to the story. It's 1951. Our buddy Jonas is receiving $200,000 a year just to research a a vaccination or a cure for polio. And this happens uh, due to crowdsourcing, the largest public fundraising activity ever, the March of Dimes, Uh, which I still like. I think we're all old enough to remember. You might see a little box Mm-hmm. Back when more people used cash and was at a, like, at a Dairy Queen or something, you know, <laughs> right, like at the right. counter. Sometimes there'd even be a fun little thing where you'd put your coin down a chute oh, do the, and it would yeah. go around a little whirly gig kind of thing, I guess, to make it feel like a fun activity and not just, you know. No, actually, that was something else. The March of Dimes was specifically a little thing, like a little sheet with little recessed places where you'd put your dime, if I'm not mistaken. I remember and, that one, but I swear I thought you I there thought was you another roll thing like the that. thing yeah, down. No, no. 100%. There, I don't know if that was – I can't say for certain if that was associated specifically with the March of Dimes. It might have been like some other thing. But uh, mm-hmm. very much a part of my childhood memory. And I, is it still active or is this is this not something yes. that uh, – Yeah, okay, March I thought of Dimes it was. still mm-hmm. exists. There's mm-hmm. March of Babies. Mar- there's a, a pretty huge organization. And I th- want to say my parents, I know for a fact still – I know this. They still donate to them every year as part of their like uh, – I guess end of the year tax – donations kind of mm-hmm. thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of families do that where you will donate certain amounts of money to charitable organizations rather than just paying the government taxes because you can write those off, which mm-hmm. I would highly recommend to anybody out there that is paying too many taxes, which is all of yes. us. The tax oh, write-off God. is sort of like the little whirly gig toy, you know. For, there it uh, is. Oh, my gosh. Like, hey, there, there's, a, there's a fun feature. Well, uh, but think yeah. about that. Like, a, a, an amazing charitable organization to, can take several hundred dollars or whatever it is that, that the government would just take and then allocate towards, you know, missiles that misfire. I'm just joking. It is a no-brainer. Fine. <laughs> Everything's great. Everything's great. Trident is going completely on on course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, just for a quick, uh, we do this on Ridiculous History pretty often, just for a quick inflation calculator, $200,000 is a lot of money, but polio is a big problem. So uh, if one of us could do the honors, how much is $200,000 a year in, in 1951? What does that equate to in 2024? $2,372,438.46. Still, uh, dropping the bucket when compared to military spending, 
but <laughs> right. it, it's, yeah. you know, not insignificant. Well, not think about that amount of money to develop like to oh, a well, drug, right? Yeah. To develop a cure for a seriously dangerous, scary thing. Doesn't it, it still doesn't, seem kind of lowball? It though? seems lowball. Yeah. Okay, cool. But, cool, cool, cool. but that is everybody pooling again, like dimes and just a little amount of money that they can spare to all give at once, which I think in, I don't know, becomes extremely impactful when you've got crowdsourcing like that in 19, what is it, 50 or 51? 51. 51. Yeah. Why Amazing. is the government not uh, subsidizing this more? All right, we'll take questions at the end. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That's what they would have said, though. Yeah, that's, I, I totally saw that as like the... <clears throat> Mm, Next does, question, does please. Not yeah. concern us. <laughs> yes. We have so, no time for your difficult queries. <laughs> exactly. So uh, by this time in the early 1950s, there were like 59,000 cases of polio every single year in the U.S. alone. And in 1952, the U.S. encountered the worst outbreak of polio on its record. 57,000 people were infected, but again, it's the dark lottery, right? You're rolling the dice. So you don't know whether these people are going to be paralyzed, whether they're going to survive relatively unscathed, or whether they're going to die. And in 1952, 21,000 people got paralyzed. Whoa, 21,000? Many of them children. And the U.S. population at that time is about 153 million, which, again, it doesn't seem like that many people when you when you think about the overall population. But it really is. I mean, I, 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 what is that percentage? What? How many did you say, Ben? Twenty one thousand. All right. This equals. OK, that's actually a really low. That's what one two. It's like less than one percent. Point oh one point oh well, one point no, no, I mean, four percent I, I of think the population. To, to your point, though, Matt, it, it's less so maybe impressive and ter- impressive is the wrong word as a proportion of the population, but that's a lot of human beings. Yes. You laid them out yes. in a line visually. Oh my god, that's yeah. shocking. I mean, come yes. on, right. yeah, three thousand one hundred forty-five people died that year. Of gosh, COVID. see, and what I'm trying to do is put my. Uh, mind into like a, a policymaker, right? Or a lawmaker mm. that hasn't been affected by this disease, right? And you look at those numbers on the paper and you're like, oh, well, this isn't, this isn't more concerning than these 12 things that I've got on my priorities right. list. Right. But, but that's why when somebody, uh, when you have something like the March of Dimes and wasn't Roosevelt involved with mm-hmm. FDR involved with that? So yep. when you've got a public figure that then, is going through it publicly, right? But except not publicly because they were taking great pains to like hide his, uh, what he was going through. Isn't mm-hmm. that correct too? That You guys, yes. didn't you do an episode on that? Mm-hmm. I feel like we've had that conversation. Just the great pains that the government took to hide FDR's uh, bodily changes. There was also, to contextualize that, there was also a far higher degree of prejudice against people who had disabilities or handicaps. Mm. So it was still like the days when they would hide folks in attics and so on. So, so again, like we're just kind of, I'm, I'm think we're trying to paint a picture here of like what it would have felt like to be going through this and what it would have looked like from way above in the 40,000 foot view of policymakers. Mm, yeah. 
the the issue was that this disease was striking pretty much regardless of socioeconomic demographic, right? So anyone could get the smoke, unfortunately. And the stakes, therefore, became inexpressibly high. Uncle Sam opened the wallet and begged Jonas Salk to save the nation. And like you were saying, Noel, the scale of this research and this rollout was unprecedented, both in terms of the amount of money thrown at it and that accelerated timeline. So like what we say, 1951, he's getting 200 grand or like 2.3 million today. By 1954, his vaccine is ready for a clinical trial. And so the U.S. government gets 1.8 million children into this clinical trial. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and they didn't all get the <laughs> vaccine because that's not how science works. And like, now you, you got to have a control, right? Did yeah. they just give a bunch of the kids nothing or a um, saline solution or something? Well, I like to hope that a couple of them just got like a cookie or, you know, like something pleasant. Uh, <laughs> 420,000 got the actual vaccine. 200,000 got a placebo. 1.2 million got nothing. They were the control group. Okay. Yeah, but they're all enrolled, so they're being monitored and tracked, right? Right. Right. Okay. Do we know if, I can't remember, Ben, is this, this early, vac the Salk vaccine, is this the one that is oral or is this the one that's like you puncture the arm and then... The, the substance goes into the like wound? It was a very different time. What you had to do is grease up a hand and rub the armpit of the kid. Wait, what? I'm lying. Okay, no, no, I'm serious. I don't know the Jonas Salk vaccine. Like, I, Maybe it doesn't matter. I'm just trying to imagine what those actual little kids, uh, 420,000 children experience. had to experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it would be injection. Okay. Uh, so the the big part is that the vaccine, it was a gamble to roll this out. The vaccine actually worked. And because it appeared to have efficacy, which it did, there was a lot of political pressure. And literally the day after the results came in, the government greenlit it. And so for uh, two hectic weeks, five different companies went into overdrive and made about 5 million doses. And then about 13 days after the first doses hit the field, there were reports of polio in children who had been immunized. Oh my gosh. That's horrifying. Uh, it is through an injection. You were correct, Ben. Um, it, like a, a shot, right? The way mm -hmm. we get shots these days. Uh, when I'm thinking about this before we, we even get into it, I'm imagining that some of those children who are in the control may have already contracted polio before they got a vaccine. Quite possibly. And I don't know how you could ever control for that or even know if if polio was already moving through a system through the gut, right? Because that's the way it goes. You ingest it and it goes down into your cells that are in your stomach and your intestines. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just maybe I just don't know the science behind it. If you could even tell if somebody had it already in the early stages. Yeah, the it, it does sound 40,000 foot view and kind of brutal to put mm -hmm. it this way, but it was necessary to include more than a million children with no intervention 
such that you could build a snapshot of what happens without it. So the idea that uh, some of those children would have already contracted polio is baked into the concept. Yeah. Well, so people panic. They freak out. You know, this is uh, an incredibly evil version of like taking aspirin to cure a headache and getting a migraine. Right. Yeah. Or much more, even more unfortunate, let's say. Yeah, even worse. (laughs) And so people immediately dig in and they find that all of the initial cases of polio infection via vaccine, all of those people received a vaccine manufactured by one company, Cutter Laboratories, uh, C-U-T-T-E-R, not uh, Q-A-T-A-R. So um, after all was said and done, at least 220,000 people were infected with a live polio virus contained in Cutter's vaccine, and that included 100,000 contacts of immunized children. So let's just talk about that. Why is it a big deal that it's live polio virus? In our discussions previously about vaccinations, one of the methods to create a workable vaccine that will actually prevent you from getting a disease is to use a, a dead, like, let's say, dead virus, pieces of the genetic material of a virus, mm. inject that into you so your body and your immune system recognizes it as a threat. So when you see the when it then sees the real polio virus come through it knows to fight it right yeah picture your uh picture your immune system going to a gun range right so the idea is that a vaccination contains a de-weaponized version of a virus right a snake without the fangs and so it's like it's as though they have a copy of the virus close enough to the actual threat that it may as well be a target uh, in the gun range, right? Yeah. Well, it's a bunch of deactivated Terminators, right? And they're right. firing like, at the deactivated they're Terminators. they're just popping up like that amazing Larry <laughs> David sketch from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. But, but doesn't it does still make you sick, though. It can. I know that some people, when they get a, a vaccination, it can be some very similar symptoms to the actual uh, condition they're being vaccinated against. But generally, you're not going to get the not actual the one. No. thing that you're being vaccinated for. Unless there's some kind of mess up, like in this situation, yes. at the what is it called? Cutter Laboratories Cutter Labs, mm-hmm. yeah. from California. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I still remember that salsa commercial. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. So, unfortunately, um, as a direct result of these vaccinations, 70,000 victims developed muscle weakness. 164 were severely paralyzed, like iron lung level, and then 10 died that we know of. Uh, The question is, what happened? How could a vaccine spread the very same disease it was created to prevent? How could the aspirin be the source of your headache? Here's what went wrong. I guess we should talk about Cutter Pharmaceutical Company. Uh, For anyone playing along at home, they were later purchased by the pharmaceutical conglomerate Bayer. Uh, As are most (laughs) medical or pharmaceutical (laughs) companies. Yeah, it would seem so. And so they started out as a lab, like doing research, and then I guess they parlayed that research into a a full-blown pharmaceutical company. 
Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. In 1897, they started. And in their early days, they quickly got involved with swine fever, cholera, anthrax. Uh, to be clear, they got involved with attempting to prevent those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Potato, potato. They weren't just writing letters to congressmen <laughs> with some substance inside. <laughs> swine fever was the new NFT, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. God, even before the flu, we had the fever, right? The there we go. Swine-related. Yeah. So there's this rush for this polio treatment. Lives are on the line. No one knows how to prevent it. And if you ask the average American at this time, what scares them the most is that it could be their kid. It could be their kid tomorrow. They have no no idea how to prevent it. It's an astonishing situation. Really imagine... In 2019, 2020, when there was such a public outcry, like, my, get these vaccines ready now. Hurry up, get these vaccines ready now. Um, that was happening then with, with polio because there was such public fear. Well, and with COVID, it was more like this could be my parents or grandparents. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But then, you know, it's just like times 10x that. Uh, that's redundant, but you get what I'm saying. When it comes to children, my children, you know, yeah. largely COVID-19, I mean, it affected all kinds of people, but the folks that were experiencing the largest numbers of fatalities were, you know, by and large, older folks. But I would just say I had a four-year-old at the time. He, he's eight years old, thank goodness, and sitting over there playing Minecraft right now. But like hmm. that, the fear for oh, the me fear was, big, was yeah. what we don't know what's going to happen if my child gets this because I got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you just, again, I think the same thing is happening with polio because if you accidentally as an adult ingest some of it accidentally, then you're cooking for your child. It's over. Right. Right. Very much so. And with this massive rush to treat this condition, right? To propagate um, a preventative measure, some batches of the cutter-produced vaccine, they passed standard safety test, which meant they, you know, they had just the targets instead of the actual enemies. And the problem was they still carried live polio. So the thousands and thousands of people were injected with the disease that they were attempting to avoid. They were given the disease, which differs from Tuskegee. To be clear, the Tuskegee syphilis experiments were a conspiracy on the part of the U.S. government to pretend to treat syphilis and not actually do anything and watch people slowly die. This is different because the disease is actively being inserted into human bodies. Well, and the big question you may have right now as you're hearing all of this is, well, did that pharmaceutical company know that they were injecting people with a live polio virus or was it an accident? Well, that's where the conspiracy stuff comes from, right? Like the, like, did they know, was this intentional? Was this designed to call a portion of the population? That's where the conspiratorial mind kind of leaps to, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. Uh, And we can answer that quickly. Uh, First, before we answer it, we have to give a big shout out to two people. Jonas Salk already got enough attention, right? You know, he did a good job. He earned it. Shout out to you. Someone who doesn't get enough 
recognition here is Bernice E. Eddy, E-D-D-Y. Uh, in the mid-1950s, Eddie is a scientist at the National Institutes, plural, of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. And Eddie is doing a routine safety test on a batch of these cutter vaccines. Uh, and just to be very clear, folks, they were testing on primates. Uh, and as a result, Eddie notices, hey, this vaccine we gave to a monkey, to several monkeys, has actually given the monkeys polio. And there's a great Washington Post um, article that talks about this. Uh, she finds that three of the six samples she's testing have paralyzed the monkeys. And she asks a colleague, you know, what do you think's wrong with the monkeys? And the guy looks at him and he's like, oh, well, they have polio, obviously. And <laughs> You know, we got to give some of them polio. We got to figure out what's going on. She's like, no, they, we, we gave these monkeys the vaccine. And then they have that like Christmas story moment where the kid finally says the F word. They're looking at each other and they're going, fudge. Oh, fudge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did we do? Or like, what happened? How did this happen? What's going on? Because we're giving people this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, do you mind if we shout out that article really quickly, Ben, that you're pulling from right there? Because it's really good. It's yeah, I'm I'm citing the tainted polio vaccine that sickened and fatally, fatally paralyzed children in 1955, published in April 2020 by Michael E. Rowing. You can read that one for free online uh, from the National Library of Medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there there there's a lot of attention on this now. Right. And at least part of that. Uh, is, as we'll find, it's due to the beat-by-beat -beat story progression of COVID vaccine conspiracies. There's another guy we should shout out, Paul A. Offit, director of the Vaccine Education Center at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and author of the best book about the Cutter Incident. Spoiler, it is titled The Cutter Incident. Subtitle, How America's First Polio Vaccine Led to the Growing Vaccine Crisis. Yeah, 120,000 children got this tainted vaccine, and they became a part of what Offit describes as, quote, one of the worst biological disasters in American history, a man-made polio epidemic. No, thank you. I mean, and it's weird, too, because uh, for some folks in the crowd tonight, you might say, well, that's what you get for trusting these authority figures on the basis of their authority. Right. Uh, you have to understand, though, that at this time, the atomic bomb still had a frightening new car smell to it. And if you asked Americans as as off its sites, if you asked Americans at this moment in history what their top fears were, the atomic bomb was number one. Polio was number two. Well, yeah. And think about the, the other types of fears that would stoke that one. Like, oh, is this some kind of disease that the Soviet Union is trying to right. like infiltrate our the ranks of our children with somehow? They're not knowing like, through the of schools it. Or, yeah. It's like that the fear is very real. Mm -hmm. It even got the president, you know what I mean? Yeah. Once upon a time. So that is that is front of mind in the American zeitgeist. 
And just like we said with COVID-19, people weren't sure how it transmitted originally. They became increasingly paranoid. What I like about Offit's book is that he draws these comparisons very well. He says, you know, people were wearing masks, they were wearing gloves. They were afraid to go to the grocery store and touch fruit in the produce section. That which also, by familiar. the way, also you should watch the produce if you can. Just I, mean, I remember when people were like getting their groceries and leaving them in their garage for a couple of days. And <laughs> yes, like, yeah. You know, they were just like, the, the, again, I'm sorry to repeat myself, but just the not knowing of it all. Something so novel literally was in the name of our virus, the coronavirus. Um, it just breeds so much mm, like paranoia. You know, and it's like how well, I, I'll do anything, Matt. To your earlier point about how it's not like a, a a knife or you know a punch or something you can dodge or duck or or guard yourself against. Therefore, everything becomes uh, a candidate for like this invisible kind of assailant. You know, for it to get into you, and you just it can really breed some very serious mental health issues. In addition to God forbid, if you actually get the illness. Well, yeah, with a with a contractable disease, every other human being you interact with is a potential infection point, right? A Unless effect exactly. Unless somehow you know that person has been vaccinated and is immune, right? So now that person is safe. And then if you've gotten it, oh wait. Now I'm safe and I could be a safe person for other people. You can see psychologically the, the thing you're describing there, guys, is like the vaccine, it becomes a mental cure almost more than, not more than, the same way it becomes a physical um, prevention. There's some symbolism to it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's some psyop aspects for sure. I, I mean, look, it's so it's the 1950s, a ton of people acting in good faith, vaccinated their kids, and they got polio as a result. And it should be no surprise that conspiracy theories take wing span. That's for you, Noel, almost oh, immediately. Uh, the, the questions are thriving because there's a lack of transparency at this point. Could the U.S. government really have just screwed up such an important job? Could there be another goal behind these vaccinations? What if, people asked, this was somehow by design? I suggest we take a break uh, for a word from our sponsors, Cutter Laboratories. No. I'm kidding. Can we keep that in? No. <laughs> Absolutely. <I thought>, yeah. <laughs> uh, Q-A-T-A-R? Yes. Yes. The nation, nation of Cutter, <laughs> our number one supporter. All right. Keep it all in, Paul. All right. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker 
retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we've returned. There's this aftermath, and to the credit of the U.S. government, the response was pretty immediate. Like, they're freaking out, too, because they are also human. They also have children. They also don't want anyone they care about to have polio. Right. Um, And the Surgeon General's office uh, pulls immediately all of these uh, vaccines produced by Qatar. Um, But unfortunately, as as you may imagine, the damage had largely already been done. Um, And uh, subsequent research would show polio vaccines that were manufactured by Eli Lilly, Park Davis, Pittman Moore and Wyeth may also have paralyzed some children. Um, This is not very good for public opinion and uh, morale uh, in general, you know, especially after the just the bait and the switch of it all. You know, you, you, you're you already like, again, living in these very paranoid conditions. And then you have this this golden kind of like, you know, parachute extended to you uh, only to realize that it has a giant hole in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, the public opinion pulls a 180 pretty much yep. overnight. Dude, the Surgeon General. Uh, what a what a title. What Jeez. an interesting like thing to be in charge of. Uh, it was Leonard A. Scheele, S C H E E L E. I, yeah. I, I, there's a huge list online of all the, all surgeon, the surgeon Generals, generals and yeah. I don't know any of them. <laughs> most, I, I think most people don't. Uh, <laughs> but it's yeah. such a cool. I don't know. It's such a cool position. It just it seems really it, important. It sounds like a Dungeons and Dragons class. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like like I'm, surgeon and the general? <laughs> yeah, his buffs are crazy. But uh, people went from eagerly supporting vaccination, extolling the virtues, exhorting each other to get vaccinated. They went to believing it would actually kill them to uh, to encounter not only this vaccination, but anybody who had received it. And to their credit, uh, they were not wing nuts. They were not unintelligent people. They knew that this vaccine in this situation gave people the disease it purported to prevent. That's right. And it just goes to show how one mistake uh, of this proportion, you know, with such public results can result in uh, 
decades and decades of distrust. Like to claw that credibility back, you know, you could argue it's still for some, it's not back. It's easier to close a door than to open one for sure. Do you think, do you guys think there's anything to the nature of a patented vaccine that's produced by a private company that is like the, the unseen nature of that, especially in, um, in something that's an injectable like this, where you don't know what it is, you know that this company controls it, you watch it come out in a needle that then just goes into your arm and you have to trust that whatever's in that needle is going to be helpful for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's going to, you know, rather than hurt you rather than, I don't know, some kind of, I'm trying to think of a, I don't know what the good comparison would be, but something that you could look at and go, okay, there's no mold on this. This looks fresh. This looks, uh, like the right, the way the tomato should look. Uh, it smells like a tomato. Okay. It's good. I can eat that. I'm going to be okay. But it's this weird patented chemically thing that just gets shot into your arm. I mean, heck, even, you know, how some with with the epidemic of, say, um, tainted street drugs, there are the very least kits that people can use to test their drugs. Oh, interesting. They're illegal drugs because <laughs> yeah. they've been around a long time. So you can mm-hmm. put a little whatever. I don't know how it works, but um, put a little drop of something on it and see if, if it's pure or if it's got some adulterant in it. This is a thing that's so new. There's no test for it. There's yeah. no way. You just have to trust it. Yeah. And then if there were some sort of testing kit for your vaccine, then who would manufacture that? That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's also Nestle. the same. Then you need a test yeah. for the test. <laughs> then you need the a test, test for I the mean, test yeah. of the test. Maybe we're in the wrong business because I think we just figured <laughs> we out an amazing tests. grift. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a who watches the Watchmen situation. It sure and, is. And so as a result of this absolute disaster – there are something like 60 lawsuits, which Offit traces in detail. And the very first creates a judicial precedent that continues in the West today. It's the idea of liability without fault, which I know sounds very boring. And it's something that doesn't really happen to human individuals, but it does happen to corporations. They said, look, Cutter Laboratories was not negligent in their production of the vaccine. But they had violated public trust because people believed it was safe. Sort of like when you go on an airplane and you just kind of assume the thing's going to land the way they told you it was going to land. It is kind of weird when you really start to think of how just living, you know, in the world, you have to trust so many systems and how the erosion of that trust, you know, whether for good reason or not, uh, really prevents you from kind of living a normal life and can really lead to some serious difficulties just like you know in getting around or in you know being healthy you know and there's people that really go down those rabbit holes of distrust and again it is sometimes for good reason but is it trusting blindly or or is it just deciding that i'm not going to live in fear i think there's some i don't know the smart move is somewhere in between those two yeah the best way to describe human existence is probably like a non-consensual group project. You know mm. what I mean? No one signed up for it. No one's really, no one decided to be born on purpose for a thing. 
and you just sort of get this group and you're like, oh, gosh, I hope there aren't too many problems today. <laughs> I, I was trying to come up with a sound that would encapsulate the human experience. And oh, I, it's I, the Curb Your Enthusiasm soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> or the sad trombone. The, mm-hmm. This is this is my pitch. Ready? All right. Go. <clears throat> wow. Perfect. Okay. Cut. Print. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. There's like a poetry. Immediate awe and then just <laughs> goes downhill from there. <laughs> uh, you're right. Uh, and that's what we see here. This concept of liability without fault. It sounds boring. It's very important because it means that companies are can be held responsible for the effects of the things they create and sell, even if they were not negligent in their design and manufacture. And this gets us to a different conversation about pharmaceuticals, about, you know, firearms, all the fun stuff. Uh, But what we see here is a standing case of disaster. It affects absolutely everyone listening in the modern day. Spoiler, even if you have never been to the U.S. and you never plan to visit, it's the, the worst vaccine disaster in U.S. history and the first I think there are like three big consequences. The first one, innocent people died and they died because they trusted a group of powerful people who made some terrible mistakes. I don't think there's a conspiracy. I don't think they did it on purpose. Like to the earlier point you guys made, if you wanted to kill a lot of people in this manner, then why didn't all the vaccines kill them? No, you're absolutely right. I, and a lot of people didn't die. Like, most that'd be people too didn't die, but they <laughs> got paralyzed. Uh, it's true, though. I mean, that's that's also, you know, we have uh, some fellow conspiracy realists listening this evening who may be partially uh, or fully paralyzed, right? And there are certainly we, still people alive today that are still, you know, dealing with the aftermath of this stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, history is way closer than it looks in the rearview mirror, right? Uh, the second consequence, or oh, to sew up the first one, it does not seem like there is proof of a grand conspiracy. It seems uh, the truth is even more frightening. People got in a hurry, and as a result of moving from fear and being in a hurry, they messed up. And social pressure, right? Yes. It, it's that like time plus pressure equals you make mistakes. And if you don't have a governing body or some some kind of regulatory organization or third party that is going behind you and checking your work, then you can make a mistake like this. And maybe you, you should listen to scientists because human history is just rife with scientists and experts raising their hands and saying, hey, wait, you know what I mean? Shout out Samovice. They should not have killed that guy. Think about it as, I agree, by the way, uh, but imagine it as like a moon mission or something. Like there's so much pressure to do it. You got really a ton of smart people working on the problem, but nobody checks any of the work. So mm. they just kind of go with it and just, oh, wait, whoops, we missed by like a lot. Uh <laughs> Dang, the the rockets taking off, and someone's like, "Wait, did anyone put glass in the windows?" <laughs> but that's but that's one of the. I mean, like stress testing a product, anything like this, a plan, a strategy. 
it's one of the most important parts of a plan or a strategy, right? Is to just, is to test it out and see how it functions and test an end product. And it does feel like that, for, in my, for my money, that was the mistake in this instance. Yeah, I think that leads us to the second consequence, which is Americans increasingly distrusted their government. And a healthy skepticism of authority is inherent to the American experiment, but this distrust is valid as it was. Because again, those people got polio. There's no way around it. As valid as it was, this distrust has directly resulted in the loss of further life. That leads us to the third consequence. Polio survived. It's real. We cannot overemphasize how much that sucks. Yeah. It was pretty much gone. Pretty much. Yeah. And again, statistically, it was gone for almost all of the Western world, most of the world. Were there only a couple of places, Asia and for a while, was it Nigeria? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. But and is that because it's really resilient or it just wasn't actually fully eradicated? It kind of hung out dormant and then yeah. said, ha I'm back. There are a couple of reasons. Unfortunately, the fumbles here are man-made. Uh, in Nigeria, for a long time, one of the most prevalent conspiracy theories was that people were being sterilized through vaccination. And they were like, the idea is, hey, these Western groups, these NGOs are pretending to help you. But what they're really trying to do is depopulate your country. So a bunch of people don't get the vaccination. So then herd immunity is lessened or gone. And then people get infected again. And just cycle, cycle, cycle. And this is something to, uh, to your points. Right now, if you're looking at the largest polio populations, you're going to find them in Pakistan and Afghanistan. And the, there are a lot of factors to it like you just described, Matt, but one of the most intriguing factors is yet again, the U.S. messed up and they messed up very bad in this one. You guys know or you've heard of this, right? I don't know much about this thing. Uh, Tell me about this. I do not know. No, so either. All right. So there's this guy named Osama bin Laden. He's a real POS. Okay. He's kind of a pill. Uh, (laughs) Is he a uh, jerk? (laughs) Uh, I would say so. Yeah. (laughs) I hope that's not a hot take, but I don't care for him. You know? Uh, So there's this global search for OBL for Osama bin Laden. And that's in itself. That's a story for another evening. Right. Because. (laughs) All right. It's I know Matt's art for everybody listening. Matt just like art one eyebrow. (laughs) <laughs> as like is now the time is it is it today <laughs> let's do it get the stealth helicopter guys uh and then just throw the body in the ocean whatever the cia <laughs> launched this is true the cia launched a fake hepatitis b vaccination grift to collect dna in the neighborhood that they believed was harboring obl and they, they were saying, obviously, you know, bin Laden's not going to come out and 
get his hep B vax, uh, but maybe one of his family members will. This operation absolutely failed on multiple fronts. First, it didn't do what they wanted. That's not the reason they found, quote unquote, found Osama bin Laden. The worst consequence of this is that it absolutely wrecked any non-Western trust in Western vaccines. Like they faked a vaccine program to find and kill a person. Mm-hmm. It's really it's so short-sighted. You could have done an actual vaccination program. You could have also done that part. You could <laughs> have helped people. Yeah. And you still had the same result. Uh, whatever. <laughs> mm. uh, Leslie F. Roberts from Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. Real thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Professor Roberts said, forevermore, People would say this disease, meaning polio, this crippled child is because the U.S. was so crazy to get Osama bin Laden. So now in parts of the world where polio is endemic, it is blamed upon Western governments. Dude, and that's there's this whole other thing that we haven't even talked about. And we're already, gosh, we're an hour in this episode almost. The SV40 thing. The, what is it, Ben? Simeon virus something. What, what is it? Yeah, SV40, Simeon Virus 40. Uh, It is, there is a long-running concern, you could say suspicion, you could say conspiracy theory, that SV40 gives people cancer, and that if someone is uh, receiving polio vaccines contaminated with this monkey virus specifically between 1955 and 1963 that it led to a much higher rate of contracting cancer so the argument is similar to like uh was asbestos and mesothelioma or lead and crime uh, uh but it is weird because there's it's one of these things that you'll find on fact-checking websites and places like the AP News will put out a special, you can find one right now, a special uh, fact-checking article about this because there's tr- there's some parts that are true. SV40, this simian virus, is used, constituent parts of it are used to build things or components of a vaccine, several vaccines, but then, and this virus does cause cancer in rodents in laboratory settings. Mm-hmm. But the the same scientists running those things, running those experiments and those trials also find that it doesn't seem to cause cancer in humans. Mm-hmm. So it's all like it becomes muddled, especially for somebody like me that doesn't have a medical background that is just kind of going off the medical terminology that's written in these like places online they're like okay i think i understand what you're saying this still feels a little creepy to me yeah especially the virus itself in in like the rhesus monkey it's an infection that doesn't give them cancer yes right exactly i i don't know it's i I think the uncertainty that we always talk about ben the uncertainty Mm. is the scary thing at all times yeah it's true I think I think you're on the money with that. Uh, there is more, much more to the story. SV40, we we had to mention it. Um, as you can tell, we are not medical professionals. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as medical advice. 
had to get that one in there. Right, guys? Thank does you. That, does that CYA us? Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, we also haven't talked about the Russian disinfo campaigns surrounding COVID-19. Another story for another time. Uh, but there is some good news. As we were going in to record this evening, this very day, February 26th, 2024, the Health Ministry of Afghanistan announced a new massive polio vaccination effort. Uh, they want to they want to protect something like 7.6 million children under the age of five from the endemic disease of polio. But now we have to wonder, how will this be accepted on the ground? You know, if you if you live in a village uh, in in Afghanistan and then you have someone come up and say, hey, the Americans have a vaccine. And they'd very much like to give it to your child. Uh, what would you say? No, thanks. Pass. Really appreciate it, though. <laughs> really. <laughs> Pass. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I realized what was happening in my brain. Uh, SV4D is triggering in my head, like Call of Duty and all these games I've played because of the SVD uh, sniper rifle. It's the like uh, Russian built Dragona, I don't know how to say it correctly, but it's the sniper. It's the sniper rifle that uh, was very popular in Russia or USSR for a long time. But it's called SVD. So when you say SV4D, you just mm. put a little four in between there. Sorry, mm. off. <laughs> just it made me think of WD40. Ah, because I am woefully uninformed about most things. Uh, I don't know whether you can use it as an engine lubricant. You probably shouldn't. You probably, you should probably just not have primate viruses on hand. Yeah. The one thing I know about WD-40, and it says it on all the bottles, is that it's penetrating. And I just feel uncomfortable <laughs> with that. <laughs> it's definitely a choice. It's definitely a choice on their end. Uh, so what do we think, guys? Uh, is this something, is this a conversation that continues? It feels like we gave ourselves some homework for some future episodes. Um I don't like I know it's again, like we said at the top, it's a very simple, uncomplicated subject vaccination. Uh, what do we want to hear from our fellow conspiracy realist? I want people if this is OK. This is one thing I want people to check out the CDC's article. It's actually maybe just a landing page titled Historical Vaccine Safety Concerns. And it's got a list with a pull-down menu of things like the Cutter incident, the SV40 simian virus incident, the swine flu vaccine, and uh, how do you say that, Guillain-Barr syndrome. I mean, it's everything. It's got all the concerns into one, like set up in one spot. I want to know what people's concerns are for real about this stuff. And then also, like, what are you doing to protect yourself and your family and everybody around you in your neighborhood, in your state, every, like, because... Getting a vaccine to me still feels like the right thing, mm -hmm. uh, even though I've got, I feel some type of way about it at times. I don't know. I just, wh how are you dealing with that if you're listening to this? What about you, Noel? I mean, look, I think I've mentioned before on the show that, you know, when we got our kid vaccinated early on, there were a few that I think we delayed 
Um, didn't do them all in one go because there's some sources that we were reading up on, um, you know, my kid's mom and I, that were just indicating that pumping all of that in one fell swoop could be a little much for such a small uh, system, you know? But that's about as far as I've ever gone in terms of, like, distrusting uh, any of the medical science, especially after such a long time, you know, with the, the, the basic kind of um, vaccinations that are required for, you know, your child being able to attend school. And then after a point with the COVID stuff, yeah, we've all gotten it. Um, I, I'd like to live my life uh, with some degree of trust of medical science. I know healthcare in the United States isn't always what it's cracked up to be, but I would like to think that at the heart of it is the desire to help people and that no one's trying to feed us any secret microchips or 5G or anything like that. You know, I just, that's, I have to, I, I just, I, I, it's too much for me to, to choose to live otherwise, live my life, you know, looking for the, the, the conspiracy and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I don't know. I would like to hear, uh, I would like to hear from our listeners, folks, everything that, that the guys just described there also like to hear what you would keep in a bunker and would love to hear your opinions on the 1988 cinematic masterpiece vibes starring Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper. Tell us your thoughts, uh, you know, on, on vibes, but also on the other stuff from this episode. Tell us if we should do an episode on OBL talking to some tourists out there <laughs> if you if you are able to give us the scoop or the skinny uh then we try to be easy to find online that's right you can find us at the handle conspiracy stuff where we exist on facebook where you can find our facebook group here's where it gets crazy uh we also exist at that handle on x fka twitter as well as youtube where we roll out new video content every single week uh, you can find us at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff show on Instagram and TikTok. Hey, we have a phone number. Why don't you give us a call? It's 1-833-STD-WYTK. Let us know if you're going to take a tactical hammer or a tactical hatchet into the bunker with you. <laughs> I love that idea of you You get one or the other and that's it. That's Good so luck. weird. <laughs> Good also, luck. also, just on that poll for anybody playing along at home on our social media, uh, <laughs> we had we owe a great deal of thanks to our pals Erica and West over at Station 16. Uh, they did not include the number one thing you should have when you're thinking about bunkers, which is a secondary backup bunker. Oh, I thought you were going to say that was your first question, Ben. Paper. You're like primary or secondary <laughs> when it came to the bunker question. <laughs> you got to have two. You got to have is two. It, is it a bunker inside the other bunker or below the secondary, the primary bunker? <laughs> nice try. <laughs> yeah, narc. Right. Get so out of my call bunker. Yeah. Call our number. Tell us about your bunker, uh, and and tell us where yours is, so we can come hang out. Uh, mm -hmm. Just kidding. Don't just don't give out information like that. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't want to do that, why not instead send us a good old fashioned email? We are the folks who read every single email we get. Uh, give us the links. Give us the pictures. Give us the context. We love hearing from you. Uh, shout out to Papa Caps. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. with that. Uh, oh, what is it? The oh, I can't remember the, the name of the sweet, sweet, super spicy hot sauce he makes up there in Illinois. A, it was a ghosty, right, or some flavor of of maybe a variety of the ghost pepper. 
We're going to find out. Ah, we sure will. We'll find out together. Also, uh, just to get in front of it, uh, the Larry David SNL clip we mentioned earlier is FBI Simulator featuring Larry David as Kevin Roberts. Please do check it out. It Perfect. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while you're checking that out, uh, that means you're probably online. So uh, finally getting to the end, send us an email, conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.